Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Youth Work State of Mind podcast, the podcast for anyone interested or involved with Christian youth work. Joining me for every episode is the Diocesan Youth Advisor for Blackburn Diocese, Ben. How are you doing? All right, mate. Good. I, I think I did the opposite to what you did. You went to bed earlier last night. I apparently had the latest night I've had in about five months. So really well prepared. You're well rested. <laughs> uh, different techniques for preparing for podcasts. It's a beautiful thing. Every week we have some guests on to talk about different aspects of youth ministry and to have a bit of fun along the way. Today we will be discussing sports and active ministry and we have some fantastic people to talk it through so please introduce yourselves with who you are what you do and uh, because we are a sports focus today what your favorite sport is hello yeah i'm martin bateman i live in lancaster grew up in manchester and lived in a few different places in my adult life overseas uh, I work for Ambassadors Football, which is a, a Christian sports organization working in about 28 countries now. But it began life in Bolton in 1990. We're in our 30th year. And uh, we work through the church, investing in them, the church and people to see uh, churches go out of their buildings and into their communities and to reach out through the international language of football. And my favorite sport, which I think you asked me to say, It'll have to be football, I'm afraid. Yeah, I grew up playing it on the streets of Manchester and um, and that's still the, I can still just about walk around on a field these days. Which team do you support? Um, now, I have to always qualify this, but I don't want to take up everybody's time for the next hour. But I am from Manchester and uh, as uh, you'll, you'll be pleased to know that I support Manchester United, as my dad did and my mother and my grandfather. So I've got an excuse. It's rare to find a Manchester United supporter from Manchester. So uh, that's nice and refreshing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's absolutely true. It's just because there's so many all over the world. They just happen to be probably around about a reasonable proportion <laughs> in Manchester as well. <laughs> My name's Joya Pal George, and I work for Kick. We're a, another sports ministry charity. We seek to see um, young people's lives transformed by God's love through sport and support. And so that looks like engaging schools and delivering professional PE services, um, values based and also street dance. And now in support, we want to mentor young people. So um, solutions focused mentoring is kind of the tool that we use. We also engage churches because we know that for sustainable relational youth work, we want to um, see churches engage their local communities and, and young people. And so um, our vision is to see churches and schools working together to do that and, and to support young people. I grew up in the southeast of London and as a true southeast London person, I support Crystal Palace. Nice. I would say probably my favourite sport, being fully Indian, is I love watching cricket. And obviously the IPL is up there, which some will say it's not real cricket, but I love it. I love that it's fast paced. And until I fell pregnant this year, I probably would say if it looked like an extreme sport, that would be the kind of thing I'd want to do. And if it looked like hiking up a mountain, I'm there. Um, But I've had to put that on the down low this year, sadly. But I'm sure once... Once I've had this baby, we'll both be hiking up mountains again. I, I genuinely had a concern then when you said like a good southeast person that you were going to 
and I support Man United. I thought I was coming. I had that moment where I just thought it was there. It was just there for me. I was like, oh, but yeah, no. I'm Richard. I work for uh, Script Union, so I'm their kind of national sports spot. <clears throat> Script Union is kind of a 150, 151-year-old uh, children and youth mission charity. Um, our whole kind of raison d'etre is uh, taking the good news of Jesus to those children and young people who are outside of church so that they encounter God and then are in kind of their own worshipping communities, exploring uh, faith together. It kind of fits within our Revealing Jesus um, framework. There's all sorts of ways that we can do that. I have a wonderful bias of sport. So we know that kind of the language and activity of sport and faith naturally collide. So our role is to help churches kind of get that, understand that, and then be able to um, connect with young people in their communities through sport so that they can grow in faith in appropriate ways for them. Uh, Sports-wise, we keep on the football banter. Um, I can stay there for a little bit. So my dad is um, from Derbyshire. So we are um, culturally Nottingham Forest fans. Um, But I'm a proper West Country boy, so I am an egg chaser. So rugby is my favourite sport. My secondary sports, I've got a a couple of kids. I have to say, I have a little bit of a penchant for netball. I think netball is an amazing sport. Um, And I have to say, cricket is uh, my sort of second sport as well. So we start this episode off with the return of So Good So Bad, the feature where we can share our loves and some of our irks about life as a Christian. Do remember though, for those who are on Zoom, uh, but also those who are listening, this is a safe space to share and there are no holds barred. So uh, do speak your mind, but uh, have a bit of fun with it. So who wants to start us off? Uh, so, so good, so bad. So I'm thinking about it, obviously in, in depth. Um, I think about online church. So I think it's so good. What's so good about online church? Uh, I came up with, I actually came up with a few, which is a bit of a surprise. I love being able to come to church and not having to face an over cheerful welcome from the pastor. <laughs> I love that I can go to church and I don't feel bad for not singing. I love that I can multitask at church. My house is decorated and quite a lot on Sunday mornings. I've been decorating while listening to church. I've enjoyed church more and it's got jobs done. Uh, But uh, fractionally seriously, what I've loved is uh, for our church, even though we've been online forever now, both my kids, the investment in the children and youth stuff has been amazing. So their kind of their weekly Zoom stuff, the kind of the effort the youth and children's workers have put in have been phenomenal. So I've loved the priority that church has given to its children and young people in this kind of unprecedented time. My bad, I couldn't really do it lighthearted, if I'm being honest. What I really struggle about church culture, and I'm part of that church culture, so I own it as much as everybody else is, it's the obsession with kind of power and control. It's a bit heavy. So I went light, but that's a bit heavy, but that that bothers me and it irks me. (laughs) Richard, based on what you said about it's so good that we're on an online church now and you don't have to have that overzealous welcome, I'm really missing the hugs from the older generation. When I go into church and you get these, uh, I walk in and there was a running joke at one point that I got so many hugs, like whose perfume would I smell of by the end of the service? <laughs> and it was, could I, was my own identifiable? 
and I'm really uh, I'm missing that and I miss um well we have still got teamwork going but I kind of miss the all hands on deck element of going into church and, and serving in different ways so I might have been one of them overzealous welcomers and I think for me um the bit that is so bad and I probably always had a bee in my bonnet about it um is the church notices uh that is when I actually multitask I hate to admit <laughs> and all of them I choose to go and find someone I haven't seen for a long time and have a little answer with that person so they've missed it too and I just need to get it on an email and um even when I've led a service that is the bit that I'm like how can I just read it off a sheet and get it done so we can move on I think you've got to embrace the notices, Joya. This is it's like for me, it's like it's the it can be the lifeblood of the church. I've done I've been involved in overseas mission for most of my adult life. And uh, and that can sometimes be the point where people turn off as well. And I always believe that it's got to do with the delivery as much as the uh, as, as what is actually said and what the content is. But I'm with you, Joya, and the notices uh, can be dull. My mine's no, no, been overly enthusiastic and cheerful. <laughs> I'm with you, Joyce. Oh, it's 2v1, we win. Yeah. <laughs> Terry is one of the best things about church, and he's our, he's the cleaner. He is the, the most sincere and welcoming person you could ever have. And I think the, the roles that people can serve with within church are just one of the great things about church, the way that you can bring people who um, can be in a leadership position or they can be a, a university lecturer or a doctor and or the, the the people from down the street are the young and old there should be the ability in the best churches that they all feel welcomed and have a place terry always makes sure people are welcomed well and um and give people a place but the uh it's so so bad for me in church i think and um being a middle-aged man it's the it's the it's the uniform that you 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 seem to be supposed to have whenever you get to uh, a certain age. It's the check shirt <laughs> that uh, that's collared, obviously, and then the fat face fleece as well, or the fleece with a zippy top, normally of a pastel colour. Um, it's it's just uh, avoid the uniform if you can. Just be a bit different. But um, I always try to spot if I go to a, a church leaders meeting, how is there anybody without the check shirt on? It's uh, and it's very very rare. T-shirts, Oof, you never see them. No, no. <laughs> I love I love how you're beating that by wearing a different uniform. By the way, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. If you open up Martin's wardrobe, it's full of check shirts, but <laughs> he wears his ambassador's top. The good thing about being in a sports organisation is that there's normally a sports like training top that you can throw on, and it gives you a good excuse if you. If you, if you if you haven't got much in the wardrobe but uh yeah i always consider is it oh it's the church leaders meeting i better i'll i'll, I'll wear one of my two check shirts nice nicely done i kind of half feel personally attacked from my uh, nice blue check shirt that i'm wearing right now well, <laughs> you're redeemed by the t-shirt white with a bit thinner stripe so you're, you're all right dave actually i'm I all right okay right. we're good we're good you're also you're also wearing it with a t-shirt underneath Rather yeah. than like you know, with a with a pastel coloured fleece over the top. <laughs> <laughs> you're also yeah, redeemed you're, not being middle aged. You're a lot younger yeah, than my as well. Yes. You don't, you're not that's candid. a very important distinction. I'm glad you raised that. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> Who knew that uh, church notices was such a hot topic? I know, right? <laughs> wow. 
So we've reached the part of the podcast where we delve into this week's topic, which is sports and active ministry. Something that I like the idea of, but don't necessarily have the right physique for. So let's start off our discussion with this question. When we're talking about faith-related sports outreach, what are we talking about and how can it look? What does it look like in a local community? I think for me, when we're talking about outreach in a community, we're talking about something that's intentionally building community. So we're not thinking just about short term projects, although I'm sure it can start like that. But where churches really want to build community. And I know for us, our kick academies um, where we engage with local churches enable churches to build that sustainable community engagement, especially with our young people. And it can look like football, dance or any sport, really, whatever the the context requires, what they're interested in. Um, And we want to train coaches within the local church rather than just sort of implanting people that come in and deliver something from a long way away. Actually, what's going to be sustainable is about church community reaching their own community. And, you know, I'm a a massive fan of uh, relational youth work. And I think the sports platform gives us an opportunity to hear the gospel in a relevant and non-cringy way, whether it's through matches, the routine, all kind of opening up intentional kind of spaces to talk about Jesus. And uh, I think, again, community sport raises that chance for people from church who would normally shy away from something like youth work or sports, because they don't really, they hear those two words and they think, I don't fit that bill. I don't do youth work and I don't do sport. But actually, When it's sport in the community, there are so many different ways that you can engage with that particular ministry or activity. And you don't have to be sporty to be involved in kick academies for us. And you just need a heart for your community. And, you know, that's what when we go to church, that's what we're praying for, that God break my heart for what breaks yours. And he's saying, it's these guys all around you that I'm breaking your heart for. It comes in the word, really, to say outreach, um, the the point that we're try to get across is that you take people from the church building and out onto the sports fields of their community or the world and you engage with people. So outreach enables you to go into your communities and uh, and serve and reach out and be Christ's witnesses in that community. The challenge that we've got often in youth ministry, maybe not so much, but in lots of ministries from church is that we create things within church or within our own environment. And we invite people to come, oh, come to this meeting or come to see this, come to do this. And actually what sport offers is a chance to go out and do something in the community that gets you out of the four walls and doing something at the heart of your community, which is a a key element of of Christian faith being lived out, really. There's so much that you can do if you create the environment, which is what we encourage the church to do. You create the environment to play sport or football, then you don't have to be the footballer yourself. You don't have to be good at the sport, but you've created that environment that then you dictate the terms about how that work goes on and how you pray and how you share values or faith through it. And so that's the way in which outreach can really can really be effective, I think, for, for churches and for youth work. I reckon, one of the, if I'm being honest, I think one of our struggles in it, and it's not related purely to sports, mission and ministry, is the outreach is fairly straightforward. Take some help. But what, what's the end game? So what? So you've done the outreach, and then what happens to these young people or these families once they've been reached to? 
So we often claim it's outreach, but really we're outreaching so that we can drag them back in. And we're not dragging them back into the kingdom of God. We're dragging them back into our church structure and our existing way of doing worship, which may or may not be suitable for them. How do spots allow you to share who Jesus is? And then maybe as, a, and as an add-on to that, because we're kind of talking about it, have you seen that kind of progress into discipleship? I have a quick mini passion rant. So sport is a place to connect, but sport is also a place of encounter. So sport is my worship. So I encounter Christ in that activity. It, I don't use sport to connect. I can, I can worship God, talk to God, encounter God within that sport within that activity. So it moves beyond being an encountering piece. And as we understand that, then the same way that I I find it easy to encounter God, having trudged up a hill and slept out in my bivy bag. So it's true as you um, smash the scrum half over the top of the ruck. You know, there's there's something there's something in those those moments where put it so that's true for me. That's part of my responsibility as I help grow these communities of young people so that's, there's not it wasn't that's not a dig then you weren't saying the opposite to me Dave I've just got to uh, kind of get it out of my system so the sport is a place of encounter as well as a place of connection and I'm going to shut up for a bit sport is a great way to talk about Jesus um without it being cringy just even our experience of sport just as you'd spoken about not doesn't have to be a sporting story but it could be something in the activeness of what you're doing um, in in any any of those different sports. Our kind of work at KIT kind of centres in school and churches around the fruit of the spirit. Um, and then we've added on another three, um, hope, integrity and perseverance. And, and where we're kind of running any session, whether it's in school with churches, we want to have a theme running throughout that. And that doesn't mean that it, there's just this bolt on talk but it's actually through the routines, through the practice, through the drills and skills, through the matches that it is seamless throughout. And that does take a little bit of thought, but it, I think sport is such an um, an easy way to do it. We kind of use sport to drive those themes home um, to young people. And it's interesting how as you're um, playing, you can sort of see, and as you kind of watch the news and you hear about sporting incidents that have happened, you can see many parables, you know, um, if you've ever spoken to young people and tried to think, how do I explain this to a young person? I'm going to guess that you've probably used something sports related at some point. For me, it's either sport or food that ends up happening, depending on what's like bigger on my appetite then. And, um, and I, yeah, I just think it's so easy to make talking about Jesus feel like it's got to be this bolt on. But the key thing, as we've talked about all the way through, is relationship. And sports provides a great platform for building that, especially amongst young people who you think, actually, all I'd ever get out of you if it was just a conversation one to one would be grunts and like one word answers. But actually, because we're doing something active together, something else happens where we share our stories. And, you know, we want to be good at listening to a person's story, whether it's a young person or, or just our mate or the neighbour down the road. And we do that through relationship. Are we prepared to tell our own story? Are we prepared to see where God is at work in a story or a sporting analogy that we've seen or a sporting situation that we've seen? 
because when we talk and listen about those things i just i could only think that god's story is woven into those beautifully it then doesn't have to be a bolt on because i can see god at work in someone else's life whether they realize it or not and i certainly know how god's been at work in my life as well there's great analogies and uh, and to back up what richard said you know i believe that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and your strength. And your strength is so clearly expressed through sport and through activity. We've got to use all of our body and all of our energies. We can worship God. That's our, that's our goal as humans, really. That's why he created the world and loved us. And um, there's interesting uh, stories all the time these days, especially in the football world that I'm involved in. For the last 10 years, every uh, Friday, we've produced just a, a short email that goes out to anybody that wants it called Talk Football. But every week, we just look at some aspect of football and relate it back to the Bible. And we include that in all of our activities from week to week. And one week, we had um, two of the England players were fighting each other, and they were from the local, the same club as well. And, and it was really big in the news. And so it was written about, and then at our homeless project in London on the Wednesday, and um, when they finished the play, the, the time of football, we just do talk football with them. And he talked about, you know, when you spot a fault in somebody else, actually think about the, the plank in your own eye. If you're spotting a speck in somebody else's eye, what's the plank in your own eye? And um, Faisal from the uh, one of the homeless blokes who came along, who was a, a Muslim, said the week after, he said, oh, you know, I, I really appreciated what you said last week because I've got a real big issue with my, my brother and my family. But I realized that I was I was really concentrating on all his faults. And actually, I needed to remember that I was a bit at fault as well. And so there are so many ways in which you can relate the sports world back to biblical values. Best thing I ever did as a youth worker was my um, rugby badges. It wasn't my youth work training. It wasn't my theological training. It was a coaching badge. And why, which links into what we've been talking about is, when I was a kid, I got coached a certain way to play rugby. You, you hit bags, you pass, you did drills, and you got told what to do. Uh, coaching is now, and this works for, you don't have to be a qualified coach because I was doing this, but it, this is what opened my eyes to it. Good coaching is around posing questions, creating scenarios where the young people solve the sports environment into it. So in rugby coaching, you spend a massive portion of the time not playing rugby. You play different games with different balls that resemble parts of rugby, but just snippets. And so the kids are constantly, and adults, are solving the problem, assessing it, and you're constantly posing questions which they answer and they're engaged with. And they're sh short questions which are answered quickly and then you progress on through the game. So you don't sit down for 10 minutes and, you know, discuss it all together. It's bang, play, bang, reflect, review, bang, bang, bang. You know what that reminds me of? Jesus. Jesus posed more. What am I... I need to pose some more questions. So how can I open up conversations within the activity? And suddenly it's not all that hard. So that's almost our way of coaching you know, like volunteers. You can play netball for you know, 20 minutes, change it around a bit. You just simple, what makes netball to almost a unique sport? You have to be selfless to play it. But there's my question. There's my, there's my now I'm thinking about what, does, what do we find out about God? I can share a story about me being selfish or God or a Christian being selfless to me. So I can suddenly play the game, interact with it. They understand it's a selfless game because you can't move with the ball. You have to pass the ball on 
and then we can encounter a bit of God's character kind of in that moment. And that's where kind of the language and activity of sport collides naturally with the language. So from a very practical perspective then, if a church has identified that sports would connect with a particular community and be a really effective way of reaching the people uh, that make up that community, how might they go about starting a sports outreach programme what things do they need to bear in mind? And and then finally, kind of what messages of encouragement would you give churches who are in that position? Um, I can, you know, when it comes to football, ideally, obviously, a church would want to interact with Ambassadors Football and, um, and see how we could train them and help equip them for their ministry. But the bottom line is that you need a bag of balls and a Bible. That's what I always say. Maybe some bibs as well, but you don't necessarily need the bibs. But you, you need to be able to get out into your community and try it. And um, even the FA now have an online course called Playmaker. It's free to sign up to. And you get the equipment mentally, uh, you know, practically to say how to organize a football session. So you can easily organize a safe football session having done the Playmaker course. But what you need to be able to try things out and test them out get a group of people together to 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 pray for the project that you're involved in make some plans to see where it's going to be we always have a slide within our training that's um, you know who where when and uh, what are you going to do so it's like who you want to reach out to so then for what time of day are you going to do it you don't, you don't want to do something when you're going to exclude some of the people that you're wanting to reach out to and then where are you going to do it do you want to rent somewhere or are you going to use a local park or are you going to use a church hall and then going through that type of process. But it's just uh, trial and error is uh, is always helpful. It's a very good coaching principle as well. So long as you can guide people through being able to um, see where, where things might have gone wrong and, and just improve next time. But um, I think that's that's the bottom line, really. Get out and do it and see how it goes. And all of the others on this call, we'd be more than willing to uh, to consult and be able to interact with people that have wanted to get out in their community Absolutely. Um, I was going to say, get in touch with me because I'm that person at Kick. Um, uh, you can do that through um, office at kick.org.uk or through the website, and I'll take you through. Uh, myself and my colleague will take you through a step by step of um, exactly what Martin was saying—a bespoke way of setting up a Kick Academy that fits into the shape of um, the context and community that those churches are in. So it could be different depending on where you are and what that community needs. Um, we value long-term relationships and I'm sure these guys do also and we've talked about that at length today with our Kick Academies and so we offer training to all of our volunteers at least three times a year. The opportunity to attend prayer events because whatever you're going to start let the foundation of that be that your heart was broken for that community and that you want to pray for that community um, and be committed there. Um, we'll have other praise events during the year to celebrate what God is doing and where he's at work. And we want to offer ongoing support and guidance. Um, at least twice a year, you get to enter into the Jack Petty Award, which um, is fantastic because it is young people encouraging young people. And then you get some money towards your Kick Academy to buy some more kit. Um, so, yeah, as Martin said, do get in touch with any one of us because we'd be happy to work with you and um, excited to see what you want to do um, with your church, with your community and explore what some of those uh, 
bit cliche now to say fresh expressions because that is is no longer fresh is it because we've been using it for the last 15 years but um yeah what does what does worshiping Jesus or getting to know Jesus look like in your community we'd be up for having that conversation obviously my thing is have an eye on the end game start with team smart start small and simple make sure you've asked the right questions think about where you think before God it might go um, and then start small and simple do a pilot give it a whirl um, some of our, some of the projects that have longevity, the ones that said, let's do a four week trial in the park. Who turns up? Let's do a half a day in the school. And you can, well, that's, the, but as long as you've got an eye on the end result and then just think, who's going to make this happen? Who's that? Who's the team? Who's your kind of, in our language, your kind of faith guide? How's that faith guide going to be supported? How do we go about doing that? But don't get overawed by all that can be done. Start simple start small with an eye on what has gone and i guess one of the bits we often talk about is we did some research within su a couple of years ago around all of our uh, um, mission activities over the course of a year so it might have been i can't remember it was hundreds um and what one saw some transition of children and young people starting something and then moving on and it was starting with full integrity and openness where we said we were Christians to begin with, where we paused and at least prayed, so it wasn't a shock when we did Jesus later, was the one where the children and young people started. So when we start, start small, um, start with an eye on where we want to be, but let's start being utterly clear who we are and make sure that we incorporate that within the very first session. And you don't get to the point of, we've loved playing um, um, cricket for the last six months with you, uh, Rich. Uh, why bringing up God now? I didn't come for that. I better do my plug. So if you want to get in touch with SU, just go on the su.org.uk. There's a tab. <laughs> what do we do? Tab the sport, and you might find my ugly mug. Good plug. Like like it. Plug the mug. No. <laughs> <laughs> As we're three different organisations, but quite clearly the same heart, and um, and quite clearly the same end game as you mentioned, Richard. And it's just exciting to sit here and, and go, I can see where God's at work. And it's exciting. So if you're listening to this podcast, I'd say get in touch with us because we can see where God's at work and we want to join in where he's at work in your communities already. And uh, it's not that you're going to bring him there because he's already there and he already cares and his heart's already broken for that, that group of young people that you're thinking about or even... Uh, pondering is it that group is it that group that i say yes it is so get in touch with us because we'll love to help you i've known mine for quite a few years now we share a most amazing member of staff up in the northeast so we work out what it is to work together and in partnership because as a parachurch organization our calling is to serve the church we are not the church so we work that is what it means but we do that and we've worked that out and with kick i've journeyed we, we kick have journeyed with us for years and i've got fascinating chats with joe going at the moment about how can we go better at this together so it's not a pick one organization over another it is this sense of um we're working this out with the best resources that we have across a vast area um and i, I think going back to the very beginning people hear sport and they're immediately transported to either a wonderful place or a horrible place. Um, it's important to remember that sport is sport and physical activity. So it's, 
it for me it is it, you know it is it is your pilates it is your you know hockey sticks and socks pulled up but it's also trekking up the hill it's your adventure sport uh, it is your dance it's this idea of the um the passion interest and benefits of physical activity in its full breadth so don't get don't be put off by the word sport delve a little bit further into sport physical activity and games and almost the theology of play and i would also say that um if you're in the church of england and you're listening to this there's a you know there's a three-year initiative that we're in the first year of right now that's focused on sport and well-being it's led by natalie andrews it's organized by the national church itself and they've got seven pilot dioceses those regions that the church of england decides to call those um, that it works in that are trying and um and we're the three of us all sit in one of those um, dioceses ourselves, but they they're looking to push forward this idea of sport and well-being. And what you will find is if if you're a youth worker and you're interested in sport, there could be people that will not be as excited as you. And I always go back to when I used to be in an organisation trying to start sport. I was certain that some of the leaders, for better or worse, they were the last person chosen on the playground when they were little, as it when it came to choosing the teams. And if that happens to you too often, then you have a really bad attitude towards how sport can actually be effective and what it, what it can do because you've had a terrible experience, as Richard was just saying. And that's 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 life. That's how it is. So you need to be able to journey with those people or explain to them. You don't have to love sport to be able to see it as a ministry opportunity. But that's also to say that from on high, if that's the right word, within the hierarchy of our churches, there's a big push towards this as well. So don't don't necessarily be discouraged by those people that might be immediately your superior when you come up with a great idea about sport and ministry. Um, maybe if you're in the Church of England, just contact one of us or mention it, you know, that the Church of England itself really wants to see this happen. There are there are, there are leaders around different churches that really want to see it happen, but they can't get through sometimes to the people on the ground. So if you've got a passion and a, and a desire to do it, don't be discouraged, keep persevering, and um, we can see, you know, you can see things happen. So we're nearing the end of our podcast, but before we go, we have our weekly challenge feature for our guests to uh, take part in called Theology in 60 Seconds. Uh, the rules of this are very simple. Each guest has 60 seconds to explain an aspect of the Christian faith or maybe even a Christianese term because as Christians, we do love our long special words, don't we? Um, and they have to explain that in only 60 seconds. Uh, and to help them along the way, we have a, a ticking timer sound effect playing along in the background to uh, ramp up the pressure. Um, my trusty sidekick, Ben, I don't know if you'll be happy about him <laughs> calling him a sidekick, but there we are. Um, he's going to be judging each one based on uh, sticking to the time, uh, so not going kind of too far over or too far short, as we've had in the past, um, uh, around the 60 seconds, and then how well each guest explains the term. Um, so it's all it's all on Ben's head. Well, we've worked out now that Dave's Batman and Ben's Robin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking that. <laughs> or Delboy and Rundy, whichever way you want to see this. Delboy and Rundy. I think it's probably more Delboy and Rodney, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
Right, I have my draw ready. Oh, wow, loads of dust in that box. Excellent. Oh. We're sticking to the sport theme, and Ben's got a draw. Uh, this week, we are asking our guests to explain the Trinity. We've ramped up the difficulty for this week, haven't we, Ben? Right. Yes, yeah. But, so I feel like I need to let you know this. this I just they see there are three balls in here. Wood paper. One I've just dropped. Just for fairness, <laughs> just for fairness, there are three. We're going in the box. First one out. The home tie for the first round is Joya. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? As I'll ever be. <laughs> As you'll ever be. Fantastic. Right. We'll start in three, two, one, go. So the word Trinity is not actually in the Bible. However, the Bible does talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there are verses for all three that uh, all three are God and that God is one being but three persons. So in verse one uh, that I picked out, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom all things um, and for whom we exist. In 1 Corinthians, verse two. Um, no one has ever seen God, but the only one son and um, one and only son who is himself God and in closest relationship, the father has made himself known. And then in Corinthians, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Each person enables us to know God more fully. No analogy is a complete description of the relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit. But you could say that the difference between a being and a person a being is what I am. I'm a human and a person is who I am. I'm Joya. So God is God, but who is he? He's God the Father. He's Jesus. He's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Richard's freaking out. I don't know. I would not know that would be 60 seconds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If yeah. I'm six to a minute, I'll eat my hat as well. <laughs> very good, Joy. Well done. I mean, very impressive timings. Really very good impressive. timing. Thanks. Very good. The bar has been set high, I believe. <laughs> All right, next up. Richard, you're next up, mate. Next. It'll be grand. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm not bothered. I'm worried about well, filling up three minutes, to be honest. <laughs> Are you ready? He's ready. Okay. Uh, three, two, one, go. The thing that we ever understand the Trinity is to make the mistake of thinking that God is fully understandable. God is infinite. He is beyond us. He is a mystery as well as being personal. But God does his opposites well. He's so immense that if we think we can get our heads around him, we're wrong. And this is encouraging. If I could fully understand God, there's no way that God could save us and redeem all of creation. Can you fathom the depths of God, depths of God, or discover the limits of Almighty? No, that's from Job. So put simply, the Trinity is a foundational Christian belief that God is one being who exists in three persons. From Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Greek is around plural. So God's always operated in the plural from the very, very beginning. God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is God. Jesus is, the Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Only the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. There's always going to be a mystery um, to this. God is mystery. Nice. 
a good not explanation. Really, not really, Joya. No, it was, it was. Oh, all I'm thinking is, you're having all of these trips to have cider with Joe, but we all need to sit down one day when we don't have to be socially distant on Zoom and like chew the fat about this kind of stuff. Just to confirm, um, Martin's name has come out of that hat now. So <laughs> oh, I thought I'd, didn't I give you something earlier to say that it wasn't going to be there? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I did, I was tempted just to bring Richards up again and go, oh, oh, uh. <laughs> uh, Martin, are you ready? Um, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> Good. Okay, your time starts in three, two, one, go. Well, You've got one being, and you have three expressions of how that being, in God, it can be expressed in life. I've got a few different ways to explain it, but for me as a person, I am the the son of my father. And so I act in a certain way. I have an identity as a son in order to be able to um, do what I do as, as a son. But I'm also a father of my kids, and so I act in a different way in to them as I would to my own father itself. And so I express myself in a different way. And um, and also I'm a husband. So those three different expressions of me as one person are done in different ways, the way I relate. And that's how God relates to the human race, in different, in different expressions of him as a supreme being. So there's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you have one piece of paper, you can cut it into three, and you can use individual piece in a different way. And in that way, you can look at God as being the bigger piece of paper, expressing himself in three different ways. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Ben, I think you've got a tough job. Oh, I've got such a tough job. A really tough job. More humorous way of explaining it, if you like. An Egyptian once said it to me. He said, what I always say to people, the Muslims always ask me, how do you have three gods? And, uh, and he said, what colour is a cow? I'll do it as a practical thing. What colour is a cow? Go on, it's a question. Not a trick uh, question. Uh, it could be multiple colours. Okay, let's go for brown cow. So normally they say brown, that's in the Arab world. It's lots of brown. <laughs> okay. What does a cow eat? Grass. What colour is grass? It's green. What does a cow produce that we drink? It's milk. What colour is milk? It is white. If you can explain to me how a brown cow eats green grass and produces white milk, then I will explain to you how we can have three <laughs> gods in one. Because God is far more complicated than the cow that he created. Oh, you should have, that would have been much better if you'd done that as opposed I know, to... I, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I might not have time, I might have time because I'd speak too quickly. And I would yeah, have... that would have been enough. I'd have just done that. Forget all the other waffle you've done. I didn't think about that one too. Oh... Oh man, it still is. doesn't make it any easier, even though I allowed Martin to buy me some yeah, time. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to reuse the cow this thing. Is, this is null and void because Martin's taken over extra time <laughs> and therefore affecting the decision. Yeah, the your audio assistant referee is going to have to uh, chime in here and say that the uh, cow <laughs> explanation has been stricken from the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. VAR takes the <laughs> cow away. Yeah. It was, it was off, it was, the ball was received in an offside position. That was fine. His arm was over the line. The VAR line. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know what? The, the hardest bit was they, they were all distinctly different in the way they went about this. Do you know what? I really, I liked Joya's... Um, but I also equally liked I liked Martin uh, I liked Martin's practicality I liked Richard's mystery aspect but I'm going to go for Joya in terms of the clarity that I felt it gave 
Joy is the winner today. Mine's already, Rich has already walked away. But, yeah, uh, disgusting. <laughs> wins again. I'd have given it to Joy. As long as Martin didn't win, I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> I'll take it. Crystal Palace aren't used to winning loads of stuff, so I'll take that one for the team. That's all we have time for in this episode. So a big thank you to our guests, Martin Bateman, Joy Pal George and Richard Witham. You can find out more about them and the organisations they work for by following the links in the description. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on your device so you can keep up to date with all our episodes. And we'd love to hear what you think of the show. So please do rate and review it in the Apple Store or get in touch with us on Instagram at youthwork state of mind that's all for this episode we'll see you again in two weeks time for an episode on worship thanks for listening to this episode of the youthwork state of mind podcast it was a blackburn diocese board of education production it was produced by ben green and david harris with music from purple planet you can listen to more of their music at purple-planet.com Special thanks to Martin Bateman, Joy Pal George and Richard Witham for joining us on this episode. For more episodes, show notes and excellent youth work resources, visit our website bdeducation.org.uk and make sure you follow us on Instagram at Youth Work State of Mind to be kept up to date with youth work where you are. <laughs>